Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, we're rolling. We're recording. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. That's at the end. We got. Uh, oh, we're sorry. going. We're Catholic going. Stuff. We're going in a, a, a bourbon-free episode. My, so. uh, yeah, my uh, focus is gone from cat videos, Seinfeld clips. This and is then Catholic stuff. He you keeps should know. repeating this priest's name, <laughs> Father. Can I tell him? Uh, you never do anything on command. I forget that. Yeah, I don't do anything on command. I'm a cat, not a dog. <laughs> uh, can I read that? Uh, can I read that? Uh, what is it? The apple. What is the name of that? Oh, thing? the the low scores. Yeah, yeah. Here's our one star favorites. Right. So um, this is I, Father John and Father Nathan, by the way, and this is a uh, podcast that's been going on ten years and still getting remarkably bad uh, marks. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, uh, it's important for us to you know look at commentary from time to time, and I found uh, this one useless. One star. <laughs> My time is valuable. Get to the point. Stopped it because of annoying banter. Period. Next one. That was June tenth. June 7th, uh, useless chatter, one star. I was expecting to learn more about our shared Catholic faith. Instead, I learned useless information about coffee, tea, and naps. Thanks for that, exclamation point. That was not useless information about naps. So today's episode, uh, we're going to get right to the point. Today's episode is just about coffee, tea, and naps. So you wrote Leodero and said... I wrote Leodero and I said, hey, I found your listener base. Listener base, Lux you. (laughs) Are you going to be on Lux U? She didn't ask me. America's no. She probably she probably asked me. I I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. That's great. We're so grateful for that feedback. You know, because it's so it's so practical and and helpful. You it's know, fine. Like I agree with them. I agree with them. If you're listening to this podcast for content, for not just for content, you have a question, you want an answer, you listen to the podcast, you get your question answered. That's great. You know what that's called? Catholic answers. Yeah. No, we we'll, we'll read you the catechism. You know, would that be? I don't know. No, we're fi- I'm fine with it. We're fine with it. Everything's fine. I'm fine with my body. You ruined okay? my snow day. I have stretch marks. I'm beautiful. <laughs> Episode forty eight. This thing is haters going to hate. This thing still weirded me out in the middle here. Did we figure out where that's from? Into the trash can. Into the trash can. <laughs> it's fine. Can we throw the rest of this stuff in the trash can? Uh, we can go through it afterwards. These beer nuts are disgusting. Trash can. They're good. No, they've been here forever. What? They've got to be expired. Best by 17th of April, 2020. Okay. We're not cleaning up today. Today's a play day. <laughs> play day. Hey, uh, can I share a funny story about Father Jake Schneider, who is in town? And uh, Oh, yes. This is just great. This is why I love... Um, you know, uh, part of seminary work is um, it's a lot of preparation, but sometimes we take things too seriously and we take ourselves too seriously. And so God sends funny characters like Father Jake Schneider, who's like a blend of Chris Farley and what do you think? Because he's not like Chris Farley, but he's got some he is. Farley. Yeah. He's very like, yeah. He's yeah. kind of got some you in him. Yeah. Strong influence. He's from Kansas. He's just a big old boy. And uh, oh, yeah. the fact that there's two of them yeah, on he's the like planet. Chris, he's like Chris Farley from Hee Haw. Okay. Do you remember Hee Haw? No. No. It's, uh, old, it was an old uh, TV show yeah. where they did comedy sketches. So Jake comes back off retreat. He's, he joins us for this high-octane conversation with the companions on Monday night. And then I was like, that must have been an interesting way off your retreat. And he goes, yeah, no kidding. Says Mass at the seminary yesterday. 
and um, we're all kind of celebrating behind him. And Jake's a, a newly ordained priest, and this is just such a great moment. So everybody's kind of depressed because we were supposed to have a snow day yesterday. We didn't, and uh, he's going through the prayers after the consecration, right? So the Our Father, and then the Deliver Us, O Lord, the Sign of Peace. And then after the Sign of Peace is a um, prayers that the priests usually say, Soto voce, right? Right. Like under your under your breath. But for some reason he's saying it out loud, right? And it goes like this Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God. No, he was trying to do after the sign of before the sign of peace, you say, Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. But he had flipped two pages forward where it was the Soto Voce prayer, which is <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God. Uh, ah, so for, he was reading the wrong prayer. Yeah. In yeah. And he's so right. Yeah. Go ahead. I wasn't there. So he says, so he's just going through the prayers, and everybody's kind of like praying quietly and kind of out of it, and he just goes, Lord Jesus Christ, and the page goes over, and instead of saying, Son of the living God, he just goes, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of a, and he yells this out as he turns the page, and then he realizes, he just said, Son of a, in the middle of the Eucharistic prayer, and everybody's just like, like Brady's face turns bright red. It was fantastic, so. Poor guy. He did, today, I mean, I'll, you know, if we're going to embarrass him, why not go full bore? Uh, he's not here yet. He's got to come down in the middle of the podcast, so we'll we'll make him say he's hello. at Costco. Um, the uh, but he had started he had started the wrong prayer, and he goes and he, like he just it's like Lord, we at oops. <laughs> this is oops. Like, well, this okay. is what's fun about extroverts is it's just everything's external process. Yeah, you're just. You're processing life. I got a great video from my niece, um, Maddie, and she is just, she's literally my brother in a five-year-old girl form. Uh She is so funny. And she's just like, you can just tell, she's just talking out everything. And then Lucy, the little one next to it, is just like, this is overwhelming. I'm with this, with dad and this other human, and they're just very funny. So, including Mary Neppel, who's very excited about her Listerine strips. Right or not strip? What do you call those things? The floss things. <laughs> the strain strip. The floss. She's just like Callie. Uh, Callie, my uh, 350 pound, 45 year old uh, trucker uh, hairstylist. Uh, I tried to get her hooked on a brown listerine. Yeah, and that's no, uh, terrible. Yeah, uh, X, her brother in law. Um, he said. Um, he said, when did they start making vodka flavored, vodka, <laughs> vodka flavored listerine? Yep. I like the brown listerine because like it it doesn't have a taste. It it's just not, tastes like no, alcohol. No, it's not good. It's like rubbing right. alcohol. Yeah. Um, burns uh, us. Sick. <laughs> I don't burns like us. I don't like the mint flavor or the orange flavor or whatever because then like hours later you're still tasting like you know whatever. Whatever. And then you got to call the priest and get that uh, doodle pull. Father Nathan's got a lot of work to do today, so we should probably end this useless banter. Right? Agreed. Peter Mustangeve. Some of us have to go to work. Yeah. I wanted to get my yeah. question answered in the time it took me to pick up my kids, and I didn't get anything. <laughs> Some of us don't have to go to work, but I got I to gotta write this paper this afternoon on priestly spirituality, and maybe I'll share it with you, because I know how much you love my little articles, right? I was supposed. Listen, I was supposed. I'm totally honest. I was gonna read your article last night. I had every intention of doing it, but then Jake Schneider wanted to play cribbage, right. and I said, "Well, how do I say no?" And then I was on such a hot streak that I actually said, "Okay, we played three games. You lost three games. Like it, we should be over." So then I went. I said mass. I came back, and he goes, "Oh, we're playing again," because he wouldn't stop until he won. 
Oh, yeah. And he lost and lost and lost. No, he won. He's oh, he won. Okay. Skunky okay. once. Well, we love Father Jacob Schneider, and we're really happy he's in town. He's just a great bundle of energy and yes. joy. The guy is just consistently easy to be with. So great to have him in. And uh, you have he, he's kind of of your style with hot, these kind of hospitality Priests, it's like one in a thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, most priests, it's like you just live in the empty, vacuous rectory that you. Let one in a thousand be your confidant. That's right. That's right. And one in a thousand make your biscuits and gravy. You're an anti-dentist. I was. That's the I problem. was the. I was the priest that uh, preached his first mass. Father Jacob, speak of the devil, coming downstairs. You no. Hear, no. There's some big steps. No. I don't know what. That Maybe is. that's Father Matt. We know that Father Hellstrom floats through the house. He doesn't even step. He's a what is it, Death Eater? <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to the You're topic. You're writing baby. a paper. Uh, I had nothing to do with anything. I oh. got to go do that. I thought. Well, isn't that what this topic's on? No, this topic's not on that. Oh, I uh, pulled the book off Global Shelf. The great thing is that he has every book. Uh, the hard and thing is that they're so worked over that I can't. I you know so underlined. Did I read that one? Over. No, I'm just joking. It's I haven't perfect. read that one yet. It's perfect. Anybody wants this copy? It's in brand new shape. So. <sighs> Deep sigh. Look, man, I I'm reading I'm reading Calvin and Hobbes right now, getting through. So uh, the book that I pulled off his shelf this morning, um, just trying to figure out a topic for today, is called The Meaning of Tradition by Eve Congar. Do you know anything about this book? Obviously not, because uh, apparently I didn't read it. Right. I think we were supposed to read it in one of our classes. You and I were. kept it in the hope that I would read it well, at some point. You know what? Today's your lucky day because I'm gonna. You're gonna be so inspired to want to read this by the end of this podcast wow. that you're gonna pick it up. And when you're finished making cocktails for the senior citizens this evening, true. Where is that? Morning Star. Anybody who wants to come, uh, this podcast's not coming out, you know, till later. But you know, it's uh, after. It's too after. Too bad. Jazzercise is at two, and then yes. three o'clock. Jenny Weisenberger. Jenny Weisenberger from uh, Morning Star in Arvada wanted me to come to her uh, senior living home for happy hour to make brandy old-fashioned sweets, Wisconsin style, uh, for all of her friends. So I am going to be getting about 30 elderly people totally liquored up. <laughs> At What's happy hour in a nursing home? Three o'clock? It's like 2.45. Yeah. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, could you come at four? But actually, sometimes people come really early. Oh, yeah. So could you come beforehand? Because they like to eat the snacks. Yep. They're going to love it. It's going to be a great day. They're going to be tanked. Yep. So then after you're finished with that. But today, we are going the meaning of tradition. The meaning of tradition. With the OP. With the OP. Yves Congar. So I uh, am teaching fundamental theology this semester. And every once in a while, I'll teach a class and I'll be like, you know what? That would be fun to podcast on. So this is one of those topics. Fun. Fun. (laughs) Fun to podcast on. It's just so fun to podcast on. I'm (laughs) listening. I'm more engaged than I normally am. Oh, I got you engaged. So I uh, funda- now what do you do? <laughs> fundamental, th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> fundamental theology is um, is a is a newer um, science subscience of dogmatic theology. If you're not familiar with it, and it's the f- the fundamentals, it's the foundations of faith. Because what happened in the modern era is that there was a kind of a stripping away of all of the the foundations of faith, and a lot of that happened from philosophical presuppositions that got reworked. So fundamental theology is kind of what developed out of uh, what was classically called apologetics, okay? Apologetics in a broader sense. This isn't just like, what's the scripture verse you throw at the Protestant mm-hmm. for this? It's like, fundamental theology is theology and self-reflection. So it's always existed in the church, but it's more of a specific, s- specialized science, 
um, now in the modern world. There's two great books to introduce you if you're interested in fundamental theology. One is called uh, Fundamental Theology by a guy named Guy Manzini, who's a Benedictine monk at Meinrad. And then there's another one by uh, a layman named Lawrence Feingold, who's an excellent uh, theologian. He teaches at Kenrick, and he wrote a book called Faith Comes from What is Heard. Are these so, new? Yeah, they came out in the last uh, yeah. few years. Because when we were doing fundamental theology, there wasn't really a good text. I think we read this guy named La Terrell from the 70s. But one of the things books that we were introduced to when we studied fundamental theology, and which I used to teach the guys, uh, was this book called The Meaning of Tradition. So basically, if I was going to say fundamental theology, if I was going to lay out the structure of the class, divide it in two halves, I'm talking with my hands, he's very interested, he's biting his nails off right now. I'm listening. One half, the first half is called God Speaks, second half is Man Hears, all right? If you were to divide both this of those This podcast halves, into two halves. Into two halves, yeah. right? God Speaks, what do you start with? Revelation. Revelation. Then what's next? Tradition. 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 Then scripture. Then the church. If you get those four pieces down, hmm. you understand how God reveals himself, takes the initiative, comes out of his inner life to reveal himself in creation and redemption and sanctification. Why is the church after tradition and scripture? Well, we'll get to that. Oh, okay, good. I'm excited. What we're taking on today, though, is that second piece. Man, love, it'd be fun to podcast on all of them. You can't spell <laughs> fundamental theology without mental and fun. And fun. Somebody said that you put the mental in fundamental theology. So I, what I love about this class and my the collection of characters that I have, um, who I'm teaching to, 8 a.m. every morning. Oof. Yeah. Um, and they do hot breakfast now. I know. How do you guys stay awake? I know. So it's um, it's a great group of guys, but they are um, oftentimes, we're talking about kind of the meeting place of life. There he is. De Schneider. De Schneider. We talked about uh, Lord Jesus Christ, son of a... <laughs> Do you want to make a rebuttal or an exclamation? No, no, I just, I just, trying to grow in humility. That's right. Pull up a chair, Jacob. We all, we all like to grow in humility. Right, and we love it when our friends make mistakes, and then we can podcast on it. Um, so, uh, you were saying, so, yeah, God I, speaks. God speaks. Tradition is, it's interesting that... Um, the structure of the, this is Manzini's fundamental theology that he places it before scripture, right? Because th- that's what made scripture. That's what made scripture. Very good. Look we at didn't, you. We didn't get. We didn't just get a book that fell out of the what sky. What a fine fundamental theologian you thank are. You, thank you, Nigel. Yes. So what do you? So when you say that, what do you mean that scripture was made by tradition? Well, we have to. We have to see that there were persons first before there were books, and in order to have a. a a received word, you have to have, like you said, one who speaks and one who listens. And so tradition is the hearing of some message, some word, and the passing that on. Eventually, we memorialize or you know concretize it in letters or books of the Bible or whatever. But at some point, you had to have somebody go through and say, these are inspired, and this was like St. Paul's grocery list. So then, then that's the reason why we would say that the tradition comes before the scripture. Excellent. Well done. Bene probatus. Bene probatus. Well, well tried. I would say um, that's, but that's my question. I hope you're and I know we're getting. To your RCA, I know we're getting there. I hope you're teaching this to your RCA people because I think for the average Catholic, when you think of tradition, and the reason I wanted to take this on today is tradition is like. Scripture plus, and this is the way Protestants frame it. Right? Sure, Scripture is like we don't eat meat, or Scripture is like you know um, 
the Bible and then tradition is like we don't eat meat on Fridays or you wear funny clothes when you baptize. You kids. have to wear purple. You got to wear purple today, right? right. You got to cross your thumb on the left or the right or whatever. Like all the all the random stuff that non-Catholics see as completely non-essential to the faith. That's quote unquote tradition, and that's a that's a really um, an undefined and and false understanding. It's a it's a reduction of what it is. Okay, so I want to clarify a bit about what is the meaning of tradition. That okay, sound good. So, tradition comes from what Latin word, Father Nathan? Trottere. Which means? To hand over. Very good, right? Yes. To transmit or to, to deliver literally is trottere right? in the Latin. But the Latin comes from the Greek, which is? I'd be amazed if you know this. Uh, to hand over? What is the Greek word for tradition? The handing over. <laughs> Paradosis. Didomai. Yeah. To give. Ditto my. Par. To give to oh. the other. Father Hoke, nice. is that what you're doing? Paradosis. Paradosis. Paradosis is the noun, right? Mm. Paradidonai is the uh, verb. Okay. So, um, tradere implies giving over, surrendering something to someone else. But paradosis would have been used in the ancient world if you were describing like a relay race, right? Yes. You're handing over something to this. Yes. Right? Uh, Ellie Bixenman. One of my good friends, she's a senior at Mullen. She was in a, I was explaining this to the guys. The relay race is this handing over. Um, and she, this the is baton. like the final race, the baton dropped. Dropped right? it. No paradosis. Did she drop it or no? Did she didn't. The girl did. The other girl did. Ooh, I know. But bad transfer. Yeah. Sounds like it was a good handoff. But what it, what that shows is that if the baton gets dropped, both get blamed, right? True. Because you can't just say, that person did, this person did. Well, you kind of can, but there has to be the relationship matters with the object that's being handed over. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. That's paradosis. Good analogy. Does that make sense? You can keep that in your lesson plan. There you go. So that's basically tradition. Um, but then we have to break down what I like about how Congar explains this is he starts with a line from Tertullian, which can be very helpful for structuring this for your people. Do you know it? No, I wasn't listening to you, actually. Ah, okay. I had my own thought. So, uh, Tertullian is, uh, when is he, second century? Second century, um, and he's... Uh, first millennia, yeah. First millennia. And uh, he gets kind of mixed up in Montanism. That's okay. He wrote some good stuff, and one of them is this line here that kind of helps us structure as we approach the question of tradition. He says this. And he's speaking of how it's like, tradition is like a cascade that kind of descends. Mm-hmm. We must keep what the churches have received from the apostles, the apostles from Christ, Christ from God. God, Christ, apostles, Mm -hmm. church. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is the handing on, the handing over, paradosis, tradition, is something that is involves the entire structure of the economy of salvation. All of the way that God works is a kind of paradosis because it begins in the inner life of God, where there is what? A handing over of self mm. from the Father to the Son, the Son to the Father in the Spirit for all eternity. So there's this interior trottere, paradosis, handing over the self-gift within the Trinitarian life of God, which is its being, that then plays out as God reveals himself in history. That's the most important thing to just begin with, that tradition is something that's within the life of God. If we understand tradition not as Rev Tevia tradition and these kind of random cultural artifacts, mm-hmm. but as the mode by which God hands himself over 
within his inner life for all eternity, which is this perfect act of love, which then plays out in the way and the mode that he's going to reveal himself. That's which, the beginning. Which is what Jesus says in whatever, John's gospel or whatever, like, I give nothing except what the Father has given to me. Right. You know, I say nothing more than what the Father has said to me. Exactly. So, but my question, story and a question. So there's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's apocryphal or whatever, but like there, there's a family and they love their mother's, you know, meatloaf. And they say, mom made meatloaf in this way. This is how we always make it. You always make the meatloaf and then you cut off the last two inches. That's what mom always did. It always came out the best. And then they kept doing it and kept doing it. And then eventually she's like, you know, dying or whatever. And they said, mom, we got to figure out how, why is it that you make the meatloaf in that way? Why does it taste so good? So, I mean, we know we have to do this, but why? And she goes, you had to do it that way because our pans weren't large enough. So, like, I cut it off because you couldn't fit it in the pan. Had nothing to do with the nature of the of the meatloaf. It had everything to do with, you know, just the conditions or whatever else. Right. So, but the question is, how do you know what's essential and non-essential? Right. So, what there are, that does play out in any human culture, any way that there's relationships, there's going to be the handing over of things, and there's going to be kind of a fallible nature to it as well. There's going to be problems and things that kind of work into it, right? Those are called accretions. Accretions. Why do Italians use pancetta, you know? Well, that's, that's necessary. In the Amatriciana, right? I remember I, I flew in from Germany. I'd been living there in the summer, and I get to the bus stop, and this woman is just going nuts on the phone about with her mom about how you make the Amatriciana right, right? You have to make this one pasta this way, and it's like, this is just what you do, right? Yeah. And so there's something about that. Um, there's something about the, 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 the trottere, which is inherent in culture, which is to say, we keep figuring out how to make biscuits and gravy better, so hand that over, right? Right. We figure out how to make eggnog better, hand it over, right? We figure out how to make gin and tonics better, put a little bitters in there or whatever, like hand it over. You want to hand over the good things. It's part of the communication of self. It's part of the, the, the sharing of goods and the sharing of gifts, which is what friendship is. But right? I think the difference would be the, the way that you described it is one is going from good to better, good to better. Our understanding of tradition is it's already great, and we're just, we're just refining our understanding of it. Right. So tradition, in the Christian sense, flows from supernatural revelation as you just said. Mm. So th that's the most important thing is to say, when we talk about tradition, we're not talking about natural, cultural things which work in with accretions. Those are there, right? That's, there's, there's things that do kind of come into the culture of the church and kind of move out in different times and these different things, but that, those are non-essential. What we're talking about with the tradition is that the reason why traditio is worked in to human relationships is because... God is himself, in his inner life, a perfect handing over in self-gift, right? And in God, it's not so much about what do we use the Wellers for, or the Manhattan, or for this or that. It's, 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 it's about the gift of self, which because his, his being is his relationship, right, within the Trinity. So we're talking about a supernatural level here, which begins with God's self-disclosure in the Son. Jesus is the entire handing over of the inner life of God, in his humanity, and yeah. he extends that into creation. So the first kind of tradition, we're going to talk about three different kinds of tradition based on those three different steps. Remember we said God to Christ, Christ to the apostles, apostles to the church. church. So we're going to have, on Christ, we're going to have one kind of tradition. On apostles, we're going to have one kind of tradition. Hmm. On church, we're going to have one kind of tradition, right? 
We're going to break those down. Yeah, like different stair steps. Different stair steps, right? Got the it. cascade is kind of flowing down. So the first one, the tradition, which is Christ, is the mode of God's self-disclosure. Mode, right? That he hands over everything in the everything the Father has, I, has given me, I have given back to the Father. Everything I am is the Father. This is the entire inner life, right? And so that's what you were saying earlier, that the Christian life is not a book that falls from heaven that this prophet then interprets, right, which is Islam, Mormonism, and that somebody can just kind of define. It's the person. Jesus is the revelation of the Father, right? He is in himself the handing over of God in the economy of salvation. In all aspects. (coughs) In all aspects, right? Even Christ asleep in the boat is in some way the the tradition of handing over. So the hypostatic union, Christ... The, the divine person who assumes human flesh and becomes and comes into the world for the sake of the salvation of man, that itself is tradition in the strictest sense. It's the handing over of God's inner life, of, his, of everything, everything that the Father has, I, I now give to you, right? So that's the first step, and we call that divine tradition, okay? Divine tradition. Second step, Jesus hands that over to who? Doodloop! Apostolic tradition. Bing, 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 to the apostles, right? He very specifically gives it over, and we call that the apostolic tradition. The apostolic tradition, though, is going to be different because they're going to receive the deposit of revelation. They're going to receive everything that the Father gives in the Son from Jesus, but they're the stewards of it, right? So now, unlike divine tradition, which is the mode of revelation, we're going to talk about apostolic tradition as a means of revelation. Okay. Mm-hmm. These are my words. This is not Kongar. So the first is a mode. The second is a means by which we're transmitting and handing over the deposit of faith, which is Christ, which is the God-man himself. Okay? I think A- I'm following. Apostolic traditions, like you're saying, Jesus hands everything over. He do- he- Jesus doesn't give them a book either. So the book doesn't fall from heaven. Right. We get the God-man. But then Jesus doesn't give that book to the apostles. He teaches them, and he gives them, and he sends the Holy Spirit upon them, and he gives them the authority to do that. Now, what happens during the um, during the time of the apostles is that you have the writings. Mm. So the means by which the divine tradition, which is Christ, is handed over, is twofold: written and non-written. And That's, so it would be the. Matter. The matter. Hmm. What do you think about that? The matter. You got the mode, the means, the means. and the matter. Okay. The matter. The stuff. The stuff, that's right. This the is the tangible it. stuff that right. we can point back to and say, this was received by this one who received right. it from this one who was the one sent from the Father. Right. So the, so the apostolic tradition is the handing over of the Son, everything handing over to the apostles, and they, as a means of that communication, do it in what they will be called graphos and agraphos, right? Written and unwritten traditions. Agraphos. Agraphos, the unwritten tradition of the apostles that's then handed on, as Tertullian tells us, to the church. So these are the two means by which God's revelation is communicated and transmitted not just from the apostles, but for all of history. Written and unwritten. Written and unwritten. Now, the written ones are interesting because they are privileged. They, they are a monument, so to speak. They concretize, they stabilize, and they kind of ennoble that which is the tradition. But they're not the entirety of it. They're 
they they contain the entirety of God's revelation, but they're not the only exclusive means by which. So we talk about how everything is contained in Scripture and is contained in non-written apostolic traditions. Okay, they are completely compatible because they are they flow out of the same divine tradition mm-hmm. and express as a means mm-hmm. the one tradition which is Christ. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is for all those banter haters. We're getting into some it's good content. A little content better, here, yeah. Right? I like this. This is a little yeah. better. Okay. So that that's important to understand that and and the the reformation is really about detaching those two things, right? Is to say, well what is the apostolic tradition exactly? Where do we go with that? What does that look like? Okay? Tradition is a means of communication other than by writing, right? And I think what's important to say is that that's there and that's real and the writings take place within the first century. We think Thessalonians written, I don't know, 40, 80, pretty somewhere soon, in there, yeah. pretty soon after. John's Gospel letters, 99, 98, at the end of his life. What's going on before then? Well, the full content of Christ handing over himself has continued to hand over, but the scriptures are being written as a privileged yet specific, uh, not partial because they, they contain the fullness, but they're, they're occasional, right? It's this moment where Paul writes this letter to this thing. And what you have is when you study, when you study human, everything that's human— you realize there's two things. There's always a handing over, and that whenever you have a long tradition, you have to have some kind of writings, right? And so the invention of writing is essential for Good point, yeah. the handing over of tradition in an authentic way. Yeah, and we, we got to a point because we had an idea at our parish, and we kind of talked about it, and there was like three guys that were really excited about it, and we had meetings and everything else, and then eventually one guy said, you know, we actually probably need to write this down so that in future generations or future like the next pastor they would actually know what we talked about here mm-hmm. and i said oh that's a great point point." and then i said you're gonna do that mm-hmm. exactly because i pass on work to people mm-hmm. right exactly so then we we're get, not the church yet we're not the church yet so then the apostles hand all of this over to the church right and so in the early church the apostles the, aren't the church they're talking about the traditions the apostles are the foundation of the church okay right and so, the, sure. so the first kind, the, the divine transition, the second kind, the apostolic tra- tradition, the third kind we'll call ecclesiastical traditions, church traditions, okay? Now, again, these are, are from the apostles. These are the handing over. If Christ is the traditio of the Father, and we'll call that the mode of revelation, mm-hmm. and the apostolic tradition, uh, unwritten apostolic traditions are um, one of the means, means. with Scripture— of the handing over that, uh-huh. then the third kind I would call the manner. Oh, the manner. But we can develop that. This is just the first the time I've taught this. Yeah, okay. The manner by which God's revelation continues to play out. So the early church, this is like, I'm going to give you a list of a couple things here that before the year 430, we have in place ecclesiastical traditions. We're not talking about um, uh, kind of it. Stuff that's just kind of like, oh, in the 13th century we started doing this. This is stuff that was from the apostles, from yeah. the handing over the ecclesiastical sure. traditions. So this stuff is, it's not that this is like non-essential. This is still essential part of the tradition of the handing over. It's the manner by which God's revelation comes over. Here's a list. Number one, this is all before the, the uh, in the first 400 years of Christianity, the Lenten fast. Already. Irenaeus, Jerome, and Leo are talking about this. Hmm. Specific baptismal rites. Origen, Tertullian, Basil, Jerome, Augustine, all talking about this. Okay. Certain Eucharistic rites, right? So the liturgy. Yeah. The Origen, Cyprian, St. Basil, 
Water, water added to the wine in the chalice, for example. Ancient, third century, mm-hmm. right? Infant baptism, the practice of that. Origin, St. Augustine. Prayer facing east. Mm. Origin, St. Basil. Yep. The validity of baptism by heretics. Stephen Augustine. Rules around the election and consecration of bishops. Cyprian, the sign of the cross. Basil tells us, apostolic tradition, or tradition, ecclesiastical tradition going back to the apostles. Prayer for the dead, John Chrysostom. Liturgical feasts and rites, Basil and Augustine. All this to be said, the manner by which the early church is expressing the means and the mode of tradition is essential to the handing over of God's inner life, which comes in Christ, and which is to extend in the church for all of history. Mm -hmm. And so the word tradition is very complex, but also very beautiful, because the 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 entire way that God is handing himself over continues to be handed over. And this is the threefold way to just kind of help kind of clarify it in order to make sense of how that plays out. One could even say that there could be a multiplicity, if you will, of um, traditions. You like that, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever play categories? That's what it feels like. It feels like we're doing little categories M. This is great. You were focused. Tradition on this in. whole class. This was today. this was tough. Yeah, I had it took a little bit. So if I can, you know, because yeah. you know we're going to go down the line. So we have the the mode. Yeah. Right. Then the means. Yeah. Then instead of the matter, which matter. Oh. The matter was what I was saying about the uh, the graphe and the agraphe, uh, the written and unwritten forms. So that's the matter, like the the substance. You know, we finally get a. Uh, an actual articulation of it, in a way, uh, and then the culminate or kind of conclude with the manner, mm-hmm. right? So where along the line of that M do you get donuts on Sunday and Jesus on top of the mountain with the apostles getting ready to ascend to the Father? Taking up a guitar and singing, go make a dipper bands. We can make a dipper bands. Go make dipper bands. Well, 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 make a dipper bands. Uh, donuts are definitely an accretion. An accretion? Yeah. Okay. But yeah. one could say, at some point, you have to start making decisions on some of these things and say it is fitting. Right? right, right. This is where it's interesting. So when you read about the Lenten fast, and you know certain people have to eat certain things, eventually they come to a place where they say, "Well, what about women who are nursing, or what about somebody who is sick? You know, what do they? What can they eat?" And they have to make decisions on this. But it's not like Jesus went through like Germain Grise and went through like made a a manual. And just gave it to them and said, in this situation, you know, like, line up all the necessary things and here's what you do. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to say, it is, this sounds like tradition. Mm-hmm. This sounds like it would be in accord with what the apostles taught, with what Christ taught, with what uh, is is n- n- the nature of Christian life. Right. That's it. So it's so, actually about life, it's a, and it's yeah. about community. So then but, the donuts become something that you can actually judge and say, well, is this actually fitting to the, the expression of the Sunday celebration? Right. And I think that it depends on the way in which you consume the donut. Right. Because, I mean, some people literally get the donut and then they walk out. Like, they just go away. Grab the donut, get in their car, drive away. Yep. 
Same thing. Yeah, bulletin, you know? Yep. So, but in that way, I think you could say that that's not a, that wouldn't be a, uh, a proper expression of the tradition. And, and, and to take an even more extreme version Whoa. of this right now, the donuts is to say uh, mer- or women deacons in the Amazon, right. right? Oh, don't get me started. That's what we, we want, Amazonian women to be deacons. And if what they mean by that is women uh, admitted to sacred holy orders, uh, not in the tradition, which not, means not possible. Right. Because the whole purpose of the of the church, of the hierarchy, of the Petrine ministry, is the handing over of the deposit. It's not about creating whatever we want to make in this moment because of what we think is most helpful according to our worldly logic. Mm-hmm. And that's the crisis we're in, is that where are the men of tradition who are leading the church right now? That's right. the question. Yeah. There are many. There are good ones. Um, but what we have to have is people steeped in a true understanding of tradition so that they understand, and my guys who are going to be the future priests, right, maybe even some bishops, that they understand they're servants of tradition. Just as Christ is the traditio of the Father, so too the apostles were given the the ability to make that as a means, and our job is to be stewards of that tradition. It's not to make up whatever we want to do because we see particular needs. Yeah. Or to change things around because it's like, oh, that's a little outdated, right. you know. I mean, if at some point, you know, like we're going through sugar rationing in the United States and we still want to hold on to donuts, it's like we can jettison that. Right. But certain other things like, you know what we need to jettison in the midst of the clergy sex abuse? Celibacy. I'm like, really bad idea. Right. Really bad idea. I tell you what, you know, how I shut down that argument. I say, read that report and tell me that you want any of these guys marrying your sister. Yeah. Or brother. Yeah. And they're like, mm, no mm, thanks. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. Good job. Hey, thanks, You man. know what the difference was is? That, be- was that fun? You know what the difference is between uh, your class, you know, and the podcast is um, you got two people. Uh, so the problem is I got I to gotta figure out, you know, like my own fundamental theology so that, like, I mean, I got to brush up so we can have a dialogue about these things. That's right. I had to... It was, it was tough. I'll send you the dispensa beforehand, but you did very well. All right, shout-outs. Abby Lancaster gave us those rosaries, those Job's Tears rosaries. Yes. Very nice. I want to say thanks for that. I actually needed one, and I've uh, been praying it in the car, and I uh, appreciate it. So thanks for sending that. Joe Gregory, longtime listener from Northern Virginia. He's a young father who's battling ALS, and he's written to mm-hmm. us uh, before. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted to give a little shout-out, encourage him, and um, just to keep... Uh, you're inspiring us by keeping your suffering united to Christ. I can't imagine uh, what you and your family are going through, but so grateful that you're listening and uh, just want you to know that we're praying for you. Yeah. Awesome. I I don't know what happened. Awesome. I literally, I, I thought I had one that just says shout outs, mm-hmm. um, but, um, uh, you know, with the new uh, iOS update, it kind of got all shuffled around. Mm. So now I just have these random ones that just say, Somebody can figure out this one. Hang on. Uh, give a shout out to the Shoot Sneeze, the Gaffneys, and the McNeils. Oh, I do need to do this one. Uh, give a shout out to Brian Baselli about McDonald's and his gentle correction. Okay. Oh, yeah, because it's so, a restaurant. Yes. Yeah. So, folks, uh, this is serious, right? Cue the piano music. So, however many months ago, I had a bad episode of food poisoning that I, uh, in some ways, blamed on 
uh, the McDonald's Corporation, and as I called it, Dirty Ron's Steakhouse. <laughs> I did not realize in saying this that uh, one of our yeah. good friends, Brian Baselli, makes his living as a manager of multiple <laughs> McDonald's corporations. This past weekend, I saw Brian Baselli at the Lord's Retreat, and after refusing to embrace me as a brother, I had to beg pardon and told him I will give him a, a full apology on the podcast. Later that night, one of my couples, who was the only couple on the Lord's Retreat, forgot to eat dinner. And I said, what would you want? And this young man said, McDonald's. And I said, what about Subway? And he said, sure. Subway was closed in Estes Park at 5 p.m. <laughs> on a Friday. What is the deal? Anyways, so I had to go to McDonald's. So me and Dirty Ron made up because I got a large Coke and a 10, uh, 10, whatever, 10 nugget. And uh, he got a, whatever, quarter pounder with cheese deluxe. And uh, that was me and me and McDonald's made up with Brian. Because Brian believed that I ate, like, candy corn, frosting, licked a, you know, live chicken, and then eventually blamed it on McDonald's. Yeah, that's... Uh... Brian, <laughs> this wasn't McDonald's that you managed. It was a, it was a quarter pounder with cheese... Might have even a double quarter pounder with cheese and uh, sweet tea, and something sat wrong with me. But it wasn't McDonald's fault, and I just want to say that on there. That's, there we go. See, I did get to some you. of the shoutouts. Look at all these forgiveness. All these the forgiveness. shoot sneeze and the gaffneys. I have and the McNeils. I have no idea where well, they're from. While you guys were on the uh, marriage prep retreat, I just want to shout out a wonderful wedding over the weekend. Lindsay Lyle. Bob Tunstall. Lindsay Lyle. And uh, we were up in um, Devil's Thumb Ranch and uh, Our Lady of Snow in Granby, and it was a great weekend. A lot of the McCoys were there, one of which is Christopher McCoy getting married to Katie Ulrich, who listens to the podcast. So thanks for listening, Katie. It was nice to meet you. Uh, you know how, do you ever have this where you just, you feel like you really crushed a homily, and then you say, and then you do something totally stupid afterwards? Are we going back to Father Jacob Schneider? Oh, yeah. Oh. Let's talk about Jacob Schneider. No, Jacob, this is make you feel better, because we all say dumb things from no, the pulpit. I'll say dumb things. Okay. So I finished this homily, and I thought it went really well, and it was really beautiful, and I, I conclude it, and it's silence in the crowd. Oh, silence. And I say, at this time, I'd like to invite the bride and groom and the bridal farty to please come forward. <laughs> and it was like, everybody just bursts out laughing. I was like, I can't believe I just said bridal farty. Uh, did you say that? Yeah. Really loud. <laughs> No, but did you say I can't believe I just said? No, I farted? just I just oh. looked down like, oh my god, you because it was like the moment was just so like perfectly exactly. still. Exactly. I'd like to invite the bridal bridal party to please come <laughs> forward. So I was like, oh my god, what am I going to learn? So that's it. God teaches us humility, young Jacob. Right? Yes, uh, Father Jacob. He is. He's been listening quietly. Can I give a shout out. Do you have anybody go? in Dodge City or uh, Garden City that listens to the podcast or? Your family members, Daniel, the person that you shared the womb with. No shout out to my siblings, but a sister-in-law, Julie and Julie and Tyler. They're in Wichita. I know Julie listens, works at Coke Industries. Great gal. So that's it. That's it. Jacob, Father Jacob, only knows words. one person that listens to the podcast. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> man. What is the deal? All right. All right. Good to have you, Schneider. Safe travels back to Kansas. Yeah, folks, if you want to join us next year uh, in Olmitz, Kansas, that's O-L-M-I-T-Z, there is something called the Stag Dinner, and I am hoping to be in attendance, not this year, next year, 2020, 
Olmitz Stag Dinner. Check it out. November 20th, something like that. Uh, but uh, there's going to be a gun raffle. We eat sheep fries. I don't even know what those are, but I bet they're vegetarian. This is Catholic Stuff Podcast. I hope you learned so much. Useless chatter. One star. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>